0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to YYGS Beyond, a podcast for YYGS alums and students interested in the program, where we talk to the alums about YYGS and how they're following their passions to make an impact on the world.
1: We're your hosts. I'm Liam Hannigan from Donegal, Ireland, and I attended LPC Session 1 of YYGS Connect.
0: And I'm Michelle Yu from Chandler, Arizona, and I was part of YYGS Connect ASC BBS Session 1.
1: Welcome back if you listened to our first episode, and if you're new, then definitely check it out, and we hope you enjoy today's one. You might be wondering where Ivan and Noah are. From now on, Michelle and I will take over the even episodes,
0: while Noah and Ivan take over the odd ones. For those of you who are new, we'll be splitting this episode into two segments. The first where we talk to guests about YYGS, parts that we loved,
1: or didn't like so much
0: and a second segment where we discuss our guest passions and how they're making an impact on the world.
1: Now, let's welcome our guests, Eric Zhang and Matthew Lee. Hi, guys. I'm Eric. Um, I'm from Beijing.
2: I attended ASCBBS Session 1, and I'm looking forward to this episode.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Matthew Lee. Um, I'm from Los Angeles, California. I attended POE Session 1, and I'm really excited to be here.
0: Thank you guys for making time to be here, and we're really excited to have you today.
1: So both of you mentioned that you really like the seminars, and a huge part of YWGS is spent in watching them.
3: Which ones were your favorites? Um, So my personal favorite was What is Law? It was taught by, it was actually my family time instructor, Jalen Parks. I didn't really know much about Law, but I was pretty interested in learning it, and Not only was I able to learn about law in the U.S. in different ways that it can affect people, but he ended up teaching it on a global scale. So I got to see so many different methods laws implemented. I know there was one specific instance where it was essentially like, I forgot what country, but it was basically a lawless territory, which was super interesting. And I just learned so much from that. And I mean, I don't know if I want to be a lawyer yet or not, but it's definitely on the table because of that. And Eric, what about you?
2: Uh, for me, my favorite seminar was um, a lecture or a seminar on mental health. Um, it was given by Dr. G. Uh, so if you're interested in neuroscience, definitely check out her papers online. She published a lot of interesting papers, um, and they're really cool. Uh, so her lecture was about um, the different parts of the brain and uh, how they um, you know function uh, improperly to you know produce like anxiety disorders and depression. And um, it was really cool because it changed my perception of what mental health disease is. Before my uh, perception of bad mental health is kind of depression, Uh, you're sad, so maybe like suck it up and be happier. But then she talked about uh, different parts of the brain, like the amygdala, how it functions as the emotional center of the brain and how prefrontal cortex sort of down regulates that by reducing logical thinking. And I find it really cool that as our age increases, Our emotional center which is the amygdala sort of takes less control and our prefrontal cortex becomes more active which makes sense if you think about it because babies cry more often they're less logical than adults are Um, so i thought that was a really cool lecture
0: for sure yeah and i know for a lot of us these lectures and seminars got really challenging sometimes just because they're taught by yale professors So what were your guys' experience with the breakout sessions when talking to your peers about the topics?
3: Um, I really appreciated that time. I mean, I feel like getting being able to interact with such a diverse group of people, of peers and friends, actually, Mm -hmm. everyone has different takeaways and sees what we just learned in different ways. So being able to discuss that and kind of broaden our range of what we learned was A really cool added bonus to the lecture which was obviously amazing super well taught Mm -hmm. and but like I feel like conversing with others especially others who are just as interested about the subject matter as you really helped enrich my knowledge and especially like broaden it too because I know they raised points in my experience that I had never even thought about but they're super valid and I'm like whoa, Mm -hmm. like this is such a great point I didn't think about it at all but now I know it and I like to think I helped other people get that, get more out of the lecture than just the lecture. And it was just super productive. And I really appreciate it. And we bonded through it too. Like we had some laughs and everything.
0: So Matthew, you talked about how there were lots of different valid points all brought up. Was there ever a time you saw like clash between opinions or was it mostly just like a comprehensive Oh Yeah. Overview? there were. Mm-hmm.
3: There were definitely some clashes with opinions, but I don't think clash is a good word for it. I'd say it's more like a debate where
0: right. it's not really a
3: fight, but we got to No, yeah. A, mm-hmm. It's a respectful a respectful clash. And exactly. It's on a
0: discussion board. Learning. Yeah. You can't really yeah. fight through there.
3: Exactly. We learned through like the disagreements. So mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah.
0: How about you, Eric?
2: Um, I definitely agree with what Matthew said, but also um, in addition to the variety of um, ideas and perspectives, you also hear some really interesting stories sometimes. Um, there was one time in, the, in my breakout session, we were discussing about like health issues that affect us. Like Obviously, we come from different communities, so we all had like, different health issues. And um, so there was this one kid from Botswana, she talked about uh, poor famil- hygiene, which was Uh, really interesting because um, as someone from um, a country with like a pretty developed or advanced um, healthcare system, like poor health um, or poor female hygiene is not something that I would be thinking about when, you know, when we first Mm -hmm. talk about health issues. So that was just a really minded experience for me and brought me to think about just how like different um, countries go through different um, health problems in different facing with times. Um, so that was really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. I think, I mean, I know global diversity is a huge part of the program and hearing from people from different countries. So were there any other instances where you guys learned about cultural differences and issues?
3: Yeah, yes, through like family time because YYGS is really truly a super diverse program where you get to meet people from all walks of life. Um, I got to interact with Actually, there's a lot of people from Canada in my family time, which was pretty cool because even though like people typically see the US and Canada as like super similar, but we were able to talk about like a few sort of discrepancies. I mean, obviously they're pretty similar, but in that I got to call, I got to have some discussions about like smaller discrepancies I wouldn't have known about. And then I had a lot of conversations with people, like, within the U.S. and all these different states, like, the different habits and customs within each state. And, of course, you get the global experience where you get to talk to people all around the world and hear so many different stories that you never would have imagined coming from, like, your own bubble where you live. And the only way to get out of that bubble was to, like, interact with these people and learn about their stories and talk to them. And it was a super... I'm super grateful for the opportunity to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to me, I think um, uh, simulation was
2: a pretty good I think uh, example of global diversity and um, a diverse group of people uh, because for me, like we were trying to develop a mini action plan to address mental health problems and then uh, we had kids from I think it's really smart that Yale is putting like kids from different tracks like I had kids from. PLE, SGC, just like different um, academic tracks uh, in the group um, talking about this issue. And they're bringing up some really interesting ideas, like how to address this based on like a government policy aspect and um, psych. And also they were bringing up some some things that they were seeing that their government was doing uh, in their country. So, um, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. So with respect to each of your... Um, simulation projects, what was an example of how, you know, having different people with different academic interests coming together, how did that affect the conversation or different solutions you came up with?
2: Um, I was just going with what I said. I think definitely there were times when we disagreed because I was trying to solve or look at this issue on a more Uh, neurobiological aspect and then there were Mm -hmm. kids in my group trying to solve it like you know address the different policies that could be improved on but it was definitely an interesting experience Mm -hmm. seeing how these different fields relate to each other and how a public health problem is not just about biology but it's really an an interdisciplinary field that incorporates biology politics Mm -hmm. and all these other different fields.
0: So ultimately, at the end, were you able to come up with a solution that addressed all of these different fields?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, we had to. uh, And yes, we came up with... So what's an example? Yeah, so um, in in my uh, problem, so we talked about how in uh, Ukraine, there's a really high rate of orphans uh, because of war, so they because of that a lot of people die from the conflicts and a lot of kids get orphaned so one and um, so like orphans they have like a higher rate of developing of neurobiological diseases such as mental health problems um, and yeah. yeah because they like because early deprivation of parental care sort of makes it more likely for them to develop uh, unstable mental health and so one problem that we made to address that in, in terms of like a politics aspect was um, giving more welfare to family who, you know, lose a parent, say like the dad went to war and died. So the government would give those families more financial support to help them go through that period of time where they need it the most, which is when they're raising their child so that, you know, less kids go on to be mentally sick and end up committing crimes or committing suicide.
0: Um, That's cool. So, yeah, essentially... The science, like you brought in the background info and the people more interested in politics came up with, you know, real solutions to these issues.
2: Yeah, which was I think was really cool. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. How about you, Matthew?
3: Um, so our simulation, the topic we chose was like whether cops in school are necessary or not. And mm-hmm. um it was a three-person group, and myself and another person were both P L E. So we did focus a lot on a political standpoint, but actually through the research we did, we realized that like, I mean, this uh, the problem of police and police in schools is typically seen as like kind of a political type of problem, but in reality, a lot of solutions to them are like scientifically based. So based on what we found with our research was that there's a extremely disproportionate amount of police and cops in school relative to the amount of like social workers, psychologists, nurses. So it's not, which makes for a much less healthy environment for students. And our policy was like our solution, the solution we talked about was that we have to add more of these resources, like add more psychological resources, help pay more attention to the mental health of students in order to create a more safe environment for students.
1: I think that's awesome, Matthew. So, I mean, I think that's a really good part of YYGS that they not only push you outside of your cultural bubble, but also, I mean, outside of your academic field of interest. Yeah, I
3: was, I learned a lot. It was awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So obviously, YYGS offers a very comprehensive overview of the specific fields of the program that you signed up for, whether that's science or law. But did you find that having really focused lectures and seminars on a specific topic helped you with getting insight on possible career paths or fields that you might want to study in the future?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really know what I want to be in the future. I think being a diplomat is definitely something that's been on the table. It sounds super fun and it will help me you know, make a difference in the world. And that's cool. yeah. I got to... Thank you. Yeah. And I got to learn a lot about, like, foreign policy, actually, through PLE and how, like, how economics, how politics, how um, a rise in populism will impact relationships between countries. And that was, those were honestly, like, big parts of the highlights in, in the camp. Like, in those lectures, out especially, I mean, all the lectures were great, but in those lectures, especially, I was...
0: Right, because that's more suited, suited towards your interests. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the law stuff I talked about earlier, but I wasn't, I didn't have like a vested interest in law until I learned more about law through this. And now that's also on the table. Like law is super interesting, super kind of confusing, not going to lie, but super Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. And
1: Eric, do you think that academic
3: focus helped? Yeah.
2: um, To me, I think it was helpful to see different extensions of biology like immunology mental health, which is neuroscience And virology, Um, I was part of a vaccine uh, seminar uh, that talked about who can be vaccinated, who can't, and about uh, the immune system. So I think bringing up or being a part of different lectures that focus on different parts of biology really helps students narrow down their interest in biology Mm -hmm. because it's a really broad field. And um, in high school, you don't really get to know know, all these different parts. So definitely academic focus was a really helpful part.
0: I'm also a bio nerd, so I just wanted to ask you. But with regards to neuro, are you more interested in the clinical aspect or research?
2: Um, I'm interested in, in research more because uh, okay. I think that's mm-hmm. where discovery happens. But the clinical aspect is equally important because translation exactly. from research yeah to they have clinics, to work together um, too yeah mm-hmm. is yeah that's
0: important. Great, so. As we wrap up, what advice would you guys have for students looking to apply to YYGS?
3: So first of all, if you're having any second thoughts about applying, don't have those second thoughts. Even though it was online, um, my two weeks at YYGS were definitely one of the best two weeks I've ever had in my life. And I can only imagine how great it would be in person, actually getting to meet and have a great time. I mean, we still had a great time, but have a great time like physically together with all your, all your friends. And in terms of the essays, be genuine. That's very important because what makes YYGS so great is the diversity of interests, the diversity of like passions, the diversity of people. And they want to accept you for who you are as a person, what kind of things you like, because there's so many different things that you discover through seeing the passion of other people. Like on a Zoom call we had with some of my friends from PLE, um, one of them started playing an instrument that I don't really know what instrument it is. I don't know the name of it, but it was something I've never seen before. And it was really cool. He was playing some, he was playing some tunes on it and they want to accept you for who you are, not only as a student, but also as a multifaceted person. And, Also, it would benefit you to have like a couple different drafts of each essay so that in case you're stuck, you get stuck on one, you have another one to fall back on. Yeah. Um, So besides the essays, there's also
2: um, like recommendation letters that you have to ask your teachers to write for you. Uh, My advice for that is definitely ask early um, because the recommendation letters take time and it's early to let your teachers know that this is something you're interested in so that they can produce a better uh, recommendation letter for you that would, you know, maximize your chance. And also in case the teacher says no, you can, like, try to ask other teachers and have different options. Um, and also, this I think this is a really good practice for college application because the process is pretty similar. There's essays, there's recommendation letters to ask for, mm-hmm. and there's also... Yeah. Like different parts of that, like the application that you need to fill out, like yeah. family background stuff like that. So it's definitely good a good idea to start early, and uh, it's a good practice for college application.
0: Yeah, no one asked for my advice, but <laughs> I from looking <laughs> what at is your y- advice, Michelle. Oh, thank you. Leo. From looking at the YYGS application, especially the essays, they really mirrored the Yale undergrad application. So I'd say definitely keep the essays you wrote for YYGS because you'll use them when you apply to Yale. So, yeah,
1: that's great advice, Michelle. Uh, Matthew, I don't want to open up any old wounds here, but a little birdie told me you applied in your sophomore year and you unfortunately didn't get in. So just for someone who who didn't get in sophomore year, um, do you have any advice to stop them from being disheartened about applying again in their in their junior year?
3: Yeah, not gonna lie. Like that rejection, it it hurt a little bit. I was like, I I felt good about my application, but just don't let that affect it's. YYGS only takes like uh, I don't know the exact statistic, but I know they they don't take a lot of people. But don't let that discourage you from applying because it's truly a great program. And I kind of did a lot of self reflecting after that. I was like. I looked through my old that old application one time. I was like, th- I, I there was so many regrets. I was like, because I kind of wrote about a topic that I was passionate about, but it was pretty academic. Whereas I, in the eleventh grade one where I got in, um, I was a little more like personal, like about my feelings towards things and um, my passions that have nothing to do with academics. Like, okay. so
0: yeah, that's I what think- you meant by being genuine then
3: exactly yeah right. like oh, okay be genuine i experienced i paid the price for not being as genuine as i could have in my first application so don't make the same mistake as me
1: <laughs> some wise words there from the lads and michelle got her say in there too so we'll take a short break now and come back in a bit Bye. <laughs> Hello listeners, we're back.
0: Hey Liam, have you checked out this blog? It's got some pretty cool articles on it.
1: Oh, let me have a look. Wait, Michelle, we're recording right now.
0: Oh, my bad, my bad.
1: But actually, you're pretty close for today's episode topic. We'll be talking about the media.
0: In the media today, there's so much information and news out there. How do we know exactly what to read, watch, and believe?
1: Exactly. I mean, take the issue of hydroxychloroquine at the start of the pandemic. On one side, we had the big man, President of the United States, along with Fox News, who have been in support of its use, citing research that suggests the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine.
0: But many medical professionals, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, have argued against the widespread usage of the drug citing different studies that deem it to be inconclusive or ineffective. Although the big man himself and Fox News might not come off as the best experts to listen to, we should definitely take time to research the sources. Before making a judgment, the differences in these cited sources should be considered.
1: Definitely. We should always consider the different perspectives that could shine different light on the same issue so that we can develop a multifaceted understanding. But for those of us who want to express our views, we might be wondering how we can share understanding and opinions.
0: Well, lucky for us, today's guests are quite the experts in this field. So please welcome back Eric and Matthew. So, both of you have or are part of online publications that tackle and analyze such issues. Could you tell us a little bit about your recent work and how you guys got started?
3: Yeah. So I founded On The Fence blog in the summer after ninth grade, after I attended uh, American Politics Institute at Georgetown. So I had really great conversations with my friends who are very engaged in politics as evidenced by the fact that they're at this political camp. So we just had really great conversations and they all had different views on things. So I was like, I got a lot out of that. So I was thinking why not you know, publicize these conversations and try to get Try to help people learn from these conversations because I certainly learned a lot from them. So essentially, um, through my blog, I promote opinions that are all across. Okay, this, can I redo that? Sorry. Mm-hmm. On Three. This. Yeah.
1: Two. One.
3: So I founded On the Fence blog in the summer after ninth grade after attending the American Politics Institute at Georgetown. So. Through that institute i had really great conversations with my friends who are really involved in interested in politics and i got a lot out of those conversations so i was thinking why not you know publicize those conversations so hopefully other people can get the same amount of knowledge out of those conversations like we did so through my blog i promote different opinions from different people all across the political spectrum. I promote civic engagement among students. And what I think is the cornerstone of my blog is dialogue from politically and geographically diverse students about really important issues. So they're called roundtables and I facilitate them. So we essentially have a written conversation about these issues. And the goal is to kind of have a sort of debate slash dialogue, but through the disagreements that we will inevitably inevitably have, it's more collaborative where we work to see the other side rather than, you know, divisive and, and aggressive. So we all like learn stuff from it. And it's, it's really important, especially in what I see as a pretty divisive climate right now.
0: Yeah. And I think especially for um, political issues, Lots of people see it as a fight between, you know, two major parties, but yeah. through work like yours, we're really able to come together and have the same goals and um, solutions in mind. So that's really Yeah, cool. that's the plan. Mm-hmm.
1: So Eric, uh, can we get a quick background on your online publication? Yeah. Uh, so the online publication that I'm a part
2: of is called Valley Economist. Uh, it's a student-run business consulting and analysis organization. I post articles on political trends, which is, which is just one of the many sections of our articles. Uh, we also post articles on the latest uh, business and industry trends, investment principles. Uh, since business and politics are interconnected, sometimes write about how politics influence international economy. Um, so some of the latest articles that were posted about was uh, the discussion of whether or not now is the right time to invest in space travel, as well as an analysis of the effectiveness of the stimulus check in the U.S. Um, But as I mentioned before, I'm interested in public health, but I've come to understand that public health is more than just biology. It's closely tied to politics. Uh, I think the coronavirus pandemic is a pretty good example. Um, Like tackling the virus and coming up with vaccines have to do with biology. Uh, But in terms of prevention, it's got to do with Social science and uh, government policies. So, convincing people, like to, like convincing people to wear masks, have to do with government regulation and communications. Um, so, in many ways, uh, politics affect uh, the trajectory of public health. And um, so, I think uh, the reason why I've joined Valley Economists to write about reviews of political shenanigans and policies is to deepen my understanding of uh, global politics and its relationship to public health. Uh, But also, I think being a part of this online publication is just a great chance to improve my reading and writing skills uh, because in order to produce quality writings that people enjoy to read, you need to be keeping up with the news. Uh, And um, I've come to understand that when I'm reading about politics and thinking about how I write my reviews, I should be thinking or taking in what I read with a grain of salt because some articles are pretty politically biased. Uh, I I read one article by a guy Was against wearing masks Uh, and I have to admit he mentioned some pretty solid points why he's against it but at the end of the day uh, not wearing masks is still terrible to flatten the curve Um, and I
0: think the work both of you guys are doing is crucial at this point um, when we're going through so much change both politically and and in respect to public health like um, Eric was saying so I think yeah sorry can I say that again yeah Sorry, Ivan. It's
3: all right. Three, two,
0: one. Yeah, so I think the work that both of you are doing is extremely important, especially in the chaotic movements of today with respect to movements like BLM or Corona. So with these collaborative efforts, I know Matthew talked about networking through attending his summer camp which I think is great, but there are some students who can't afford or have the opportunity to attend these camps. So what do you guys think are ways that students can get connected to each other?
3: Oh, social media is definitely a big one. Like, you know, you can, I see now, like we can connect with each other virtually like we did in this camp, but it doesn't have to be like limited to a camp. You could use social media. You can use things like Twitter or just finding interest groups that fit you and you can interact with a lot of people and you know have important conversations where you can get knowledge out of it
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah I agree. Um, social media is definitely a big part of connecting with people and also I think in terms of getting more views for your websites uh, if you if you're trying to get more views and more attention to your blog, I think there are like online tutorials of how to like increase or like based on like algorithm oh really the site yeah it's really cool like you can do like you can do stuff that sort of like put your site on top of the list when you search up something so say like matthew writes about i don't know debate about wearing masks and i think there's like tutorials that teach you how to like
0: i thought you had to pay for stuff like that
2: yeah i always thought that too yeah yeah, like, I think, yeah, but, like, I think there's also, like, free YouTube videos that you can watch. Like hacks.
3: Yeah, hacks, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah. See, we were learning something right now.
0: Exactly, yeah.
3: So, Eric,
1: I know you talked there about the, um, shenanigans that politicians be getting up to, so I was wondering how you avoid bias, um in your stories and how, I mean, wh- why why do you think it's important for people our age, for high school students to get in-depth understanding of those kind of issues that you were talking about?
2: Yeah, thank you, Liam. I think um, in terms of bias, it's definitely like easy for everyone to, you know, think in terms of, uh, you know, what they like to think is going to happen. Uh, so when that happens, Say, like, you're reading a political artic- article and uh, it's about, say, like, mask wearing and you're, you're for mask wearing and you read about perspectives that says, oh, why, you know, wearing masks is bad. Um, and you sort of get caught up in your perspective and say, oh, why would these people think that way? But I think, like, overcoming that and, you know, sort of think in other people's shoes sort of help you understand, as you say, like, deepen your understanding of different issues and global challenges, because um, it's interesting that some people are against masks, not because they think, oh, um, wearing masks mask makes me look stupid and all that stuff. It's because some people are Im- immunocompromised that, you know, wouldn't allow them to get vaccinated. So the story behind vaccine is you get injected with a weak, weaker version of the virus and people who are not uh, like fit enough for the vaccine might die from the injection. So that's why they're saying, oh, Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't inject kids or old people with this vaccine because they're the ones that are most vulnerable. Um, So I think getting that second, you know, perspective or thinking more about why people say or believe in certain things should definitely help you understand uh, different perspectives and deepen understanding of different issues.
0: And while we're on the topic of bias, I had a really interesting conversation with my friend And we were talking about how there's no such thing as a not biased article. Like in school, teachers really stressed to us how important it is to get sources that aren't biased. But, you know, realistically, that isn't very possible. So I was wondering what your guys' thoughts on that were.
3: Well, with my blog, actually, I... I encourage the writers to use their bias because you can get facts anywhere. Like you could just look those up, look up statistics, look up facts and you can get it. But through my blog, I want people, I want students specifically to express their opinions and Mm -hmm. share their opinions and share why they believe that. So that whether you agree with it or not, you know where they're coming from and you know why -hmm. they think that way. And you can kind of
0: promote bias in order to have a better comprehensive perspective on the topic.
3: Yeah, like promote understanding of different arguments because different
0: opinions yeah yeah. exactly Mm -hmm. for those students who already have an in-depth understanding what are some possible ways they can get involved in order to share their opinions within their communities and maybe even globally
2: thank you michelle for that question i think you're very uh, (laughs) welcome. like you know you can like definitely join publications like matthew and i did i mean matthew founded his publication which is great Uh, But there's also, I think, ways for you to share your opinions without having to be a part of a publication. Like in your school, I'm sure there's like newspapers and stuff. Uh, So you can like publish articles on, you know, maybe a section of your school newspaper that share your opinion on a certain, I don't know, like uh, topic. um, And, you know, invite other people to uh, join you, um, which I think is a great way to express your opinion but in terms of, like, like if you're already a part of uh, a publication, I think trying new things um, is a pretty good way to, like, even, you know, get more understanding of the topic. For me, um, I sort of, uh, you know, did politics without having any idea of what politics is because I'm interested in public health. Uh, but I think after reading some articles and writing reviews of them, I really, inc- like, you know, increased my knowledge um, in the different, like, parts of politics, and how that's connected to the field uh, of my interest. Um, so I think for those of you who, are, who already have an in-depth understanding of the topic, if we try to connect your topic to some other field, uh, you'll find some pretty fascinating things.
3: Um, I do sounds simple, but just like speak out. you know, Don't be afraid of expressing your opinions. People don't have to agree with you but they should at least respect your opinion, talk about your opinion and may- maybe you'll learn something. Maybe they'll learn something, but just don't be afraid to say, to speak out on what you believe in.
0: So what platforms or ways do you think they could speak out?
3: Um, definitely social media is one. Some people have large followings and like, Talking about it through their story or something like that—that that could definitely influence some opinions. Just in term when they're with their friends and
0: so even if- just in a casual conversation,
3: yeah, just casual conversations. I mean, mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be actively brought up, but if you know, if the right, conversation right. like
0: they don't have to start a blog like you, it can be some, yeah, no. yeah, conversations but with your friends,
3: little things like that. Those make a big difference, you know. Those make you think differently. Those
0: mm-hmm.
3: little interactions can have big impacts on the way you perceive things.
1: Yeah, and then what about your own publication? I mean, can people get involved and jump
3: into the discussion there? Like on my publication? Yeah. Fence blog. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our website's www.ondefenseblog. and there's like a contact us page. So if you want to, you know, hit us up. There's something that you're interested in writing. We take guest pieces. We take like different submissions. We take. We incorporate a lot of guest writers into articles. Actually during the COVID-19, what we did was we had people from different countries um, analyze their experience within their specific country with the pandemic. So we're all, we're all ears and we have an Instagram on the fence blog and you can definitely DM us or add to the question sticker and highlights, whether you want it, it, if you have some topic suggestion or if you want to get involved with the blog, we definitely want to hear more opinions, and we definitely want to have more diversity, even more than we already have, because diversity, I personally believe, is really, really, really important.
0: So how did you come up with a name, like, on the fence for your blog?
3: Oh, um, so I do fencing, and I actually oh. <laughs> naming the blog was kind of a crazy process. Like, I had so many different names I was thinking of. I was like, no, this one doesn't work. Like but- what? um i i had like a big list of potential names somewhere in my notes i don't know if i i'm gonna i'll see if i can find it yeah, yeah i think it's
0: really cool the on the fence blog yeah
3: um oh i just found a list of notes in my notes application i also have a physical list which i crumpled up after many of them um here's some of them um beyond the papers past the papers the political analyzer deep diver um
0: wow, some free
3: yeah. titles right here <laughs> yeah <they're> like uh, <laughs> those are like uh, anyone
0: who wants to start a blog
3: i don't let's... feel the, i'm not feeling those you know it doesn't really mesh with my thing but yeah on the fence i was actually in a, it was in a group chat with a couple of people i was talking about the blog and I was like i'm on the way to fencing practice and i was like and then me and my we we were on like actually no we were on a facetime call and we were like no on the fence why not on the fence that sounds really cool and i'm thinking like yeah that's awesome like Dang, So there's like
0: destiny
3: right there that's yeah. you know you just get that feeling like it's a perfect name because mm-hmm. on the fence is like you're you're questioning you're being open to different ideas you know you're on the fence
0: mm-hmm. and you have and a personal I, background story about I do, I
3: do so like it's perfect exactly wow So, like, yeah, it's the perfect name. I'm very – that name kind of means a lot to me, actually. I mean, it sounds silly, but that name actually does mean a lot to me. Mm
0: -hmm. For sure,
3: yeah. Now, lads, so you've accumulated
1: a lot of experience here. So we are just wondering what advice you would give to our listeners uh, if they're interested in starting their own publications or are applying to existing publications.
3: Just do it. I mean, it's – it's been a really rewarding experience and if just make sure what you're doing, you're passionate about because it is a lot of work and it does require a lot of time. But so make sure you, you know, enjoy that time because I enjoy like on the fence is probably my favorite thing I've been doing. Like I love, I love work. I love on the fence. It it means a lot to me. So, but it also like requires a lot of time. So make sure that you want to spend that time because if you don't want to spend that time, then it's not really worth doing. But if you want to spend that time, then it's going to be one of the most rewarding experiences of your life. I can guarantee you that. Yeah.
2: um, I think um, like starting a publication is a slow process. Um, So you just got to have patience with it. In the beginning you produce articles, but you might only get like a couple of views uh, and don't let that discourage you from, you know, posting more.
0: So, um, how did you stay motivated?
2: Uh, I know used I, I went to... arcs, as mm-hmm. I mentioned.
0: Okay, yeah. Because I remember when I was little, I'd post like fictional stories online and get like one or two views. So then I stopped yeah. after like two chapters. So oh, yeah. Um, <laughs>
3: yeah. Like you got to promote it. That's because like. Yeah. Assuming you're not a celebrity or anything, it's hard to get your stuff, like, really out there.
0: Exactly, yeah. So how so, do you guys stay motivated but, without so mm-hmm.
3: through social media, I promote it, promoted it a lot. And I try to maintain a good social media presence because social media is kind of where the average person like myself can reach out to many, many different people. And just if you have a good social media presence, that's super important for promoting your publication. Right just make sure you're like, you want to promote it, you know?
0: Exactly. Like the yeah. material you're putting out there, like you mentioned, you want mm-hmm. it to be your best mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Yeah. And that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you again to our guests, Eric Zhang and Matthew Lee for being here.
1: Thank you for having us.
3: Yeah. Thank you. It was really great.
1: So if you want to hear more about Eric's work, visit the And Matthew you can see on blog.com
0: You can learn more about what we discussed today on our Instagram at yygs underscore beyond. And please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast from wherever you are listening.
1: And if any of you have any questions for us, the hosts, or if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, just message us on Instagram or email us at yygsbeyond at gmail.com.
0: Next time. We'll talk to two YYGS Connect alumni, Jwan Chang and Saliana Tishom, who are encouraging and bringing STEM opportunities to their communities. So stay tuned.
1: We'd like to thank Melissa Dwelly for helping us with getting the podcast off the ground. And thanks to Yale Young Global Scholars for letting us use their name. Most importantly, thank you guys for listening.
0: Cover art and podcast editing is done by our co-host, Ivan Zhu. Music is composed by our co-host Noah Tan, so check him out on Instagram and SoundCloud at Noah Tan. That's at N-O-A-H-H-T-A-N. Please remember that all views expressed on this podcast are those of our own and do not reflect the views of YYGS and Yale University. Until next time, see See ya! (laughs)